0: good morning. Will you stand and join us for our call to worship from Psalm 130. My soul waits for the
1: to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. My soul
0: waits for the
1: For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities.
0: My soul waits for the Lord. Is the watchman's cry? Wake, brethren, wake. Jesus Himself is. Now.
1: Please join me in prayer. Our father in heaven, you have kept us through the night and awakened us with the dawning of a new day. After a week of labor of caring for loved ones and and, uh, and caring for ourselves even of facing the ups and downs and changes that life brings. We thank you that you have called each one of us here into your presence to see and know our risen Lord Jesus through word and sacrament, by the power of the Holy Spirit. For some of us this week has been a time of refreshing or recognizing your provision and seeing you at work in our lives. For these blessings and unmerited kindness, we give you thanks and acknowledge you as the source of every good gift. For others of us though, all we can do is cry out to you from the middle of the crashing waters that overwhelm us. The needs we face, whether spiritual or physical, mental, emotional, relational, or economic, leave us feeling trapped in the abyss of dark waters. Where we search for structure and stability, we sense formlessness and emptiness. Where we search for life and flourishing, we find ourselves in an empty wilderness. We gather together, whether in praise or lament, asking that you would hear us and listen to our pleas for mercy. And Lord, we thank you because it is here at this time in this divine service that you speak your word of hope and new life through your son, Jesus Christ, as at the beginning, when your word went forth by your spirit over the waters to bring forth the new light of creation, so you have spoken your word to still the waters of our hearts and shine in ice and us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which is the good news of Jesus. This morning, we ask you to help us to see his face, the very image of God, the crucified, risen and enthroned Lord of all creation. Father, we humbly remember that we hold these treasures in jars of clay, which shows that the surpassing power of new creation belongs to you and not to us. Despite our frailties and fickleness toward you and each other, we continue to place our hope in you, for you have been steadfast, faithful, and righteous in redeeming your people from the exile of sin. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, blessed forever. At this time, we dismiss uh, the children to children's worship. <laughs> uh, so this is the, uh, the time of our worship service where we invite you to come before God to, um, into his presence and to con- confess your sins before him. Um, we often end up wearing masks to hide who we are before God and, and, and hide who we are before others. But Jesus calls us to set our masks aside. He wants to see you as you are because he knows your weakness and sin, and he wants you to know the comfort, relief, and peace of being known, truly known. And he wants you to, to know that you are not alone in your sin, but he has made you his own. And you are part of a family of sinners who find their identity in Christ. So let's pray together, and we'll sing. And after we sing, we'll have a time of silent confession. Almighty God, you watch over the weary with loving kindness. You have promised that in Christ you will faithfully bring forth justice, never breaking a bruised reed and never snuffing out a faintly burning wick. Gracious and gentle father, we confess to you that we sometimes grow weary of struggling to follow you in this world. We feel powerless to change the injustice around us and the injustice within our own hearts. Grant us rest and give us courage to trust in you and not despair.
0: Together Jesus, I long for thee and sigh for king. I ever
1: take this time to silently confess your sin before God. and most merciful father we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep we have offended against your holy laws O lord have mercy upon us spare all those who confess their faults restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in christ jesus our lord grant to your faithful people merciful lord pardon and peace that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through jesus christ our lord Please rise so we can say the words of assurance to one another in faith. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Amen. So please, uh, as Christ has welcomed us into his family, welcome one another this morning.
0: You ready, Nate? Set.
2: The Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap, and he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress and wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The New Testament lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Good morning. Again, it's good to be here and to, to worship with you. Um, as you'll see in your uh, order, there we are uh, doing a sermon series uh, during Easter Tide, the time between Easter and, and Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to the church. And we're looking at the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. We, we looked at the first half earlier in the year, and now we're looking at the second part um, from the Gospel of Matthew. And I, I mentioned this last week, but it's it's helpful for us to kind of have a a mindset or a framework as we approach this sermon that the way it opens in in Matthew's gospel is we're told that seeing the crowds there's a great crowd of of people Jesus goes up on the mountain he sits down and his disciples draw near to him to listen and so it's important as we as we begin to think about what sets apart the disciples from the the great crowds there was people all around Jesus all seeking to hear him and and see him but what set apart those who are dis- considered his disciples It's that when Jesus sat down, uh, assuming the cultural posture of a teacher, his disciples are the ones who draw near, meaning they come wanting to listen. You and I know that we live in a, a, a world full of many voices and constant demands, right? overwhelming at times, noise all around us. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we're invited to hear the words of life and the words of truth, the words that we need to hear. See, we're told in the scriptures that Jesus was raised from the dead and God lifted him up and gave him the name above all names. And this meaning that we are to listen to him. Here's the one who has the words of life. And so this morning, if we have ears to hear, We'll hear Jesus say in our passage from Matthew 7 to do not judge. Judge not that you be not judged. Or as as one translation puts it, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment for yourself. Our passage is a a reminder in a deep way that you and I, that we're not God. We do not see people's hearts like God does. And it's an important directive as we think about Jesus' great commandment to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So let's look at our passage. This is Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5, and you can follow in your order. It's printed there, or you can follow along in your Bible. This is Jesus' uh, teaching in his Sermon on the Mount. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, as we hear this teaching and and seek to listen to what Jesus is saying, the sermon will have two parts to it, and it will highlight two actions. Uh, The first one maybe a a negative action, do not judge. And the second action is is a a positive one, which is be gracious and humble. So we're going to look at those two parts. We'll start by the action or the command, do not judge. We just heard you know, Jesus say, judge not that you be not judged, for with the measurement you use, it will be measured to you. Judge not. Well, maybe we can start by kind of highlighting or what Jesus does not mean. He, he's not calling us to be blind. He's not calling us to put away our observations. He's not calling us to stop uh, interest or concerns about right and wrong. God intends his world to be ordered. And in numerous places throughout the Scriptures, God identifies himself as the God of justice. And he calls all who would bear his name to be people of justice, to seek, to act in righteousness. And these words also that Jesus gives, that they, they do not mean that we kind of get rid of courts or judicial systems This is not a call to turn a blind eye to what is evil or false. And we know this to be the case because Jesus has spent much of the first half of the Sermon on the Mount talking to us about right living, about the importance of right relationships, about a deep righteousness that goes beyond appearance. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. And he speaks of the commandments of God Highlighting the dangers for you and me of, of anger, of lust, of unfaithfulness, of breaking vows, of seeking revenge instead of forgiveness. And he calls us to be people of prayer, of charity, and self control. You see, Jesus, when he says, do not judge, he's, he's not putting away the idea of acting in righteousness or the idea that we should be blind. Rather, he's warning his disciples, he's warning his disciples in, in, in you and me of the strong temptation that we all have to set ourselves up as critics of one another, of those near us and those who are far. He's pointing out this strong temptation that's, that's part of the, the fallen human nature that we want to judge others of course the criteria can be different the basis of how we come upon our lifting up or pushing down those can vary from time to time person to person but there's something about all of us that we struggle with the temptation to be critics of others a while back I saw a magazine cover an actual you know physical magazine not not online Um, and I always stuck with me because I on the cover was a, a drawing or like a rendering of three people in stocks and, and pillory. Do you guys remember what those things are from maybe from school? Stock and pillory are th- You know, things from the past that were used to kind of publicly shame people, to judge them. Uh, stocks, I think, was when your, your feet and your hands were put in boards and you had to sit out for people to see you. Or the pillory is when you had your head and your, your head and your hands kind of through boards and you had to stand there for everyone to walk by you. Usually it was in the town square, so everyone would see that you were being judged. And above the stocks and pillory was a sign saying what you had done. You know, you were a thief or you were a criminal of some kind. Well, this drawing that stood out to me on this magazine cover, it was not from, you know, the Middle Ages. It wasn't from Puritan New England. Rather, it was a drawing of a busy sidewalk in the city of New York. People walking by with three people in pillory with their heads and hands you know, stuck there for people to see and above them were the signs of smoking, carbs and salt. <laughs> and uh, you know, it always stuck with me this interesting idea that these folks were being publicly shamed for acting in a way that was not publicly acceptable. Smoking, eating carbs and eating too much salt. Stood out to me, right, because when we think of judgment, we often think of spiritual things or moral, you know, obviously moral categories. But here we're a highlight that all cultures, all societies, you know, we have things that we say this is the right thing to do or the wrong. This is what good people do or what people don't do. The criteria or the basis of the judgment varies from person to person or time to time. We all find different ways to lift ourselves up or push down somebody. But there's something about our fallen nature that we are drawn towards criticizing. And condemning others. And today, if we have ears to hear, Jesus is inviting us to heed that warning, do not judge. Do not judge. And and when he uses the word judge here, it's this idea of forming an opinion coming to a conclusion. One scholar kind of gives the idea that Jesus is pointing towards severe, being severely critical or disapproving, condemning. And one way for us to think about this, and we know this is from our own experience, that such uh, an action is what we could call a compound sin, meaning that there's you know, if we picture a pot in our kitchen, a bunch of different ingredients are being thrown together into this judging attitude. You know, there's the ingredient of being harsh or being quick to make a conclusion. There's the ingredient of, you know, really searching out to find someone's fault. You're a good fault finder. There's the ingredient of enjoying, enjoying when other people fail or enjoying when you see that they actually do have a weakness. There's the ingredient of assuming the worst about somebody or about their motives. And there's the ingredient of being ungenerous towards another person's mistakes. And we know because we've received it or we've been the ones who have done it, that such ingredients when they come together do not bring about something that's good, something that's enjoyable. But it brings us to the point of having this idea that we have authority over somebody else that we get to say who that person is or is not. And I think this gets to the point that Jesus is actually trying to to lead us to. Maybe it's not obvious at first, but when he says, do not judge, he wants us to to think about this idea that when we do that, when we kind of move into that place, that we are setting ourselves up in the wrong role, that we're playing the wrong part. In the situation, we're taking the wrong thing, we're putting on a mask, trying to be something that we're not, that we're taking the role that only belongs to God the one who is the judge of all people. Do not judge. Our harsh measuring reveals a temptation that's at the very heart of what human sin is, the temptation to take the place of God, to be God ourselves, to play the part that does not belong to us. This call to remember that God is the judge runs through the New Testament We heard Laura read it from 1 Corinthians, but in Romans, Paul asks the question in Romans 14, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Since when is my brother and sister responsible to me? Since when am I the overseer of my neighbor? the same thing in 1 Corinthians, where Laura read the New Testament passage. It's, it's interesting that, that Paul uses the same logic as a way to encourage himself in the face of critics, saying, It's the Lord, not you, who judge me. It matters very little what you think of me. And he goes on to say, I don't even judge myself. The Lord makes his judgment upon me. The Lord alone brings light through what is now hidden in the darkness, he alone can disclose the purposes of our hearts. You see, these ideas point us to this truth that God alone knows the inner life, the inner motives, the purposes, the prayers of a person. God alone sees in such a manner. And this simple but vital point that Paul makes is that humans are not God. You and I, while tempted, that is not the part we are to play. You are not the final judge of others. And interestingly, what we're hearing is that we're not even the final judge of ourselves. So Jesus says, do not judge. Because to do so suggests an arrogance. It's taking a role that belongs to God. And to do so kind of to wield if we can picture wielding the law wielding our judgments towards others it's the reminder that we end up falling to the very thing that we want to wield for we ourselves break the law that we want to point out to others so jesus says to us do not judge do not judge but then he also adds a positive the other thing for us to notice is not just the action of a a negative but an action of a positive which I we can summarize by saying be gracious and be humble and this command from Jesus again is not a call to be blind it's not an invitation not to care about other people or even to observe them but rather it's a call to be generous and gracious it's knowing that we are forgiven that we seek to be people who forgive in in the awareness of my sin I seek to be a person who's marked by patience and humility. In order to highlight this call to act in this way, Jesus gives one of his most famous parables. He speaks of a speck and a log. There is a speck of dust in your brother or sister's eye, and there is a log or a beam of wood in your own. A splinter and a plank this is meant to be kind of a, a, a crazy image, right? Uh, uh, to imagine this image. It, it made me think of uh, a cartoon that I, I saw. I can't even remember when it was, but it's one that stuck in my mind as well. And it's, it's a cartoon of Michelangelo on his back painting the Sistine Chapel. There's the scaffolding, ha- having him all the way up to the ceiling. He's painting this beautiful ceiling. And in the cartoon down below is the Pope has walked into the room, He's not looking up at what Michelangelo has created. He's looking down at this small little spot on the floor. And all he says is, look at my floor. You spilled paint on it. You spilled paint on my floor. Right? That's a funny cartoon because it's ridiculous, right? It's absurd that there's this beautiful art above, but all you can see is this small spot below. And Jesus is inviting us to kind of feel that same absurdity. To imagine, imagine a scene, right, that we can picture <coughs> of a person trying to engage in the delicate operation of removing a speck of dust from somebody's eye. Something that would be challenging at the the all times, but as this person is doing it, there is a vast wooden plank sticking out of his own eye, obscuring his vision. We're invited to feel the absurdity, the the humor of such a scene, such an idea that someone could do that. And Jesus, again, is inviting you and I to think about the truth. That we all have this fatal tendency in our broken nature to focus on and maybe even to exaggerate the faults of others while overlooking or minimizing or justifying our own. Sometimes we do this because we see our faults in the other person and we want to judge them harshly. We're angry at them. And sometimes in self-righteousness, about you know the idea of being above or having our things together, it it brings us a sense of control that we, we long for. But our passage does not end with this negative of this scene that's absurd. Do not judge. But rather, do you notice, it moves us to a call of action to, with clarity and with tenderness, help your brother with the speck in his eye. But Jesus says that we should start by applying to ourselves at least as strict a standard as we would apply to them. He says we should remember that we are fallible humans with limited vision, that we're fallen humans, that we're sinners and guilty before God's law. That we remember that the the sovereign God, who who at times seems absent, is in fact present in the world in the person of Jesus. And the very one teaching this sermon about justice and judging, this very one is the same one who takes human sin and human self-righteousness upon himself. He exposes them for what they are on the cross, and he puts them away that they can be forgiven. This vain one teaching the sermon is the one who acts to bring forth mercy for his very work, the one preaching this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, his very work is to justify the ungodly and to declare righteous lawbreakers. In the book of Philippians, we're told that Christ, even though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality of God something to hold on to. But because of his great love for you and for me, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself even to the point of death and death on a cross. And therefore, God has Highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue in heaven and on earth and under the earth confess that he is Lord. And what I want us to see is that Christ, the eternal word, humbled himself to the point of suffering on the cross to bear your sin and to bear your law breaking. In love, he took upon himself our sin and God raised him to new life. He has overcome our sin. He's overcome death and now he above above all things is the judge of the living and the dead of all that is visible and invisible. And we're invited to think and remember that the God who is the rightful judge The God who is the rightful judge is also the God of mercy. The God of the cross. The God of new creation. The God of new new beginnings. Such a truth, such a journey by Christ to come down and humble himself, to bear the plank in our eye, to bear all that's broken in us, to bring us new life, Such a truth humbles us. Such a truth leads us to seek God's grace. Such a truth, when it works in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, brings forth a gentleness towards others. And it's only after addressing our plank, after encountering God's grace in our our own brokenness, that we can care for another's speck with generosity and with patience. Jesus is not dismissing right and wrong, not dismissing that how we live matters. Rather, I think he's calling us to something much more profound to to feel his teaching, to hear it. He's calling us to something different than judging and measuring others. He's calling us to be a people of the gospel, a people of the gospel who hold in our own hearts and offer it to others that there is something more than our sin something more than our breaking of the law, something more than our efforts to lift ourselves above others or be not quite as bad as them. We who know our own dependence on God's grace can be a people who offer tenderness and care, who offer good news. Of course, you know and I know that this tension is challenging. It's challenging, but I suggest it's the tension of the gospel. That God lifts up the fallen, and it's only after we have been lifted up by his grace that we too can offer grace and humility and care and reach out for others, to invite them into something beyond judging and being critical and keeping score. You can invite them to the God of justice who justifies the ungodly. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you are gracious to us. I pray that that grace in Christ would work its way into our hearts and into our lives, that we would be a people marked by humility and and generosity and patience that comes only from you. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Will you
0: please stand with us? We'll start with the chorus. Jerry time. people
3: God, your faithfulness to us knows no boundaries. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Please be seated. Well, having heard God's word, I'm now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as we remind ourselves uh, each week, this table is uh, a picture, an image of of the gospel, of this God who is holy, who extends his mercy to sinners. And so as we prepare to come, I want to remind all of us that that this table uh, helps us into this wonder, this truth, that God sees us completely. <laughs> it's exciting, they can't wait to come to church. <laughs> this, this table invites us to the wonder that God sees you and me, we, he sees us fully, he sees us completely. He sees into the depths of our being, but the same God is the one who loves us completely. And because of his great love for us and his son, his, he bears our sin and he bears our brokenness. And Christ's body was broken, his blood shed, that we would know the peace of forgiveness, the joy of being brought in as a child of God. This is the good news that this table reminds us of. And if this is what you believe, if this is who you are in Christ, then come and eat and drink. If you're still thinking about Christianity, you're still thinking about who God is, let this be a sign to you, an invitation that our God is the one who sees us fully but loves us to the end, bearing all of who we are on the cross that we'd have new life in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table and we pray that you would set apart this bread and cup that by your spirit, you would use them to nourish us, to strengthen our faith, that by them, you would help us to know you and what your kingdom is. And that by your spirit, we would learn to walk in new ways as your people. So meet us here by your spirit this day. Walk with us and care for us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this uh, bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're taking communion this morning, I invite you to come down the center aisle and you can receive the bread and the cup. I ask that you go back on the sides and that you hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion today, We're glad that you're here and we still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest and I can offer a prayer blessing for you here uh, as part of uh, the the table. Those who are serving can come forward now and they can come and receive uh, God's gifts that he has for us. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. response to this table of grace, let's stand together as God's people that we can pray and sing and confess our faith. Lord Jesus Christ, you have made known to us the loving kindness of God and that we are saved not because of our righteous works, but according to his mercy. With thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. You to confess uh, our faith together from 1 Corinthians 15. Let us dec- declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, he was raised to life on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures. Afterwards he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received, and this we believe. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue our time of worship through a, a time of, of giving. Uh, if you like to give to the work of the church, uh, so I want to invite uh, uh, greeters to come forward. They have a, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in and a silver plate if you'd like to make a gift. If you if you like to give a gift to the church, you can also do so. You'll see in the, in the order through the church's website or by text. Uh, also, during this time, there is an information pad, a blue pad, under the, center, the chair in the center aisle. I uh, invite you to pick that up and fill it out and pass it down that you can um, know who you're worshiping with today and hopefully meet each other. Uh, also, if you are visiting, we're glad that you're here and uh, we're so glad that you joined us. If you'd like to share your information, we'd love to be able to uh, send you the weekly email or let you know more about uh, the church. Um, so I encourage you to pick that up and pass it down. Also, a couple other important notes. Uh, we do have a time of coffee and bagels after the service, time of hospitality just to my left outside Uh, to the cafeteria there's a glass doors that you can go in and either be outside or you can go into the cafeteria and and, and grab some coffee or bagels Um, a couple other things that are important just to note is that today again is there's a Haiti uh, discussion information session with uh, Donnie St. Germain if you'd like to learn more about Haiti and the work we're a part of there that's at three o'clock at the Carter's house the information's in your order and the last thing just to mention sorry so much to talk about is that we have a congregational meeting today after the church service so uh, and anyone that's if, if, if this is you know everyone's welcome uh, especially if this is your church that's home we'd love for you to stay share some information updates about the church and important about uh, who we are as a church uh, so we'll start that shortly afterwards um, Melinda said that if, if, if kids want to ha- you know go to the play uh, the, first of all the child care continues in the nursery and preschool but the kids if their older kids want to go to the playground they can meet at her table in the hall and she's going to go uh, to the playground during the meeting uh, but everyone's welcome if, if you're not able to stay you can get a bagel i guess no i'm just kidding uh, no but yeah you everyone's welcome and uh um anyway thank you for, let's let's continue worshiping by the by giving our gifts to the work of god
0: Please stand and join us for the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. to
3: and then we'll come back for the meeting but receive now god's blessing may the love of god the father the grace of our savior jesus christ and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and always amen go in peace